Hi, everyone. My name is Kylie Nicole, and I am a medium based in Perth in Western Australia. So this is my first podcast. Uh, Welcome. And thank you for joining me on this. It is an incredible experience for me to have uh, got here because this whole process started for me about four four years ago, (laughs) where I was being guided to get a podcast up and running. And it's just taken me that long to get going. So you know that you're you're exactly where you need to be when you feel resistance towards doing something. And I definitely felt resistance towards doing this. So, but I mean, hey, here I am. So look, some of the things I'd like to talk about today for this first one is who I am, what my journey with spirit has been, and kind of what my, where I am now with this all and how I'm able to help people and create a difference in their lives. So I guess where to start would be right at the very beginning. (laughs) I said before, my name is Cardi Nicole. I am Zimbabwean. I was born uh, in a town called Bulawayo and we moved straight out to a a farming area uh, three hours away from the town I was born in. And my my childhood has been mostly happy. I think that even though we had the struggles that people often have, especially around, I mean, my parents ultimately got divorced and things like that, but I had a very privileged and beautiful childhood in a very wild setting. And that's something I'm very, very grateful for. I'm the youngest, or I was the youngest. I now have a a brother who's eight years younger than me, but um, in this time frame anyway, I was the youngest. My older brother was two years or is two years older than me. And I was, unfortunately he had epilepsy. So I was very much left to get on with things Um, Not that I was neglected in any way, but you know what it's like when there's a child in the family who has like medical needs. (laughs) So yes, I kind of ran wild for the first few years of my life and then got shipped off to boarding school as we all did when I was about seven. But in terms of my relationship with spirit, I first recall uh, my first connection anyway that I can recall is when I was about five years old. And we'd gone down to the rural post office to pick up our post, which is a normal thing to do back then. You'd go every time you went into town or every time you're coming back to the farm. And for some reason, I know I'd gone to the playground, but for some reason I found myself in the old cemetery there. Now, I'm a lover of history. And if that's why I was drawn there as a five-year-old, then that could be it. Um, Or it could just be my particular brand of weird. Who knows? And anyway, I was in this old town um, cemetery. There's only a few graves in there from memory. And there was a young boy in spirit who I was talking to at the time. And I didn't think anything of it because when something is your normal, you never think of it as being different. Kind of like how we undervalue the things we know. But anyway, I was having a conversation with him and he had this beautiful blonde hair and and he like I remember how he looks vividly. I remember the conversation. And I also remember going and telling my mum about having met this young boy. There was, I think he gave me his name um, because I have this Michael reference. I don't know if it's because the Archangel Michael was on the grave that I was that I was standing next to when I was talking to him, but it all gets a bit fuzzy. Anyway, I remember telling my mum and she didn't really react to it. She didn't say anything or react to it really. She, I think she made the appropriate noises and carried on. <laughs> But I later found out that when, before my mum had met my dad, she was married to somebody else and she was very young. She got married when she was 18. And um, 
she had two boys, the eldest of which was Michael and the youngest was Sean. And this was, you know, in the time where there was a whole independence war going on in Rhodesia as it was then. And her husband, David, was a soldier. And basically, I mean, I didn't know anything about this, but basically, long story short, her entire family had been murdered um, the New Year's Eve of 1982. And I didn't know anything about that. But her boys were two and four years old at the time, which would have tied in with the age of the boy that I was talking to who had told me his name was Michael. And it was only years and years down the track when mom had actually told me the story that she put the two and four together for me. So she obviously was aware, but she didn't tell me. And it was actually growing up in the family that I grew up in probably saved my my connection to spirit because they never made me feel like it was anything strange or anything weird to be doing. I left home through, I needed, it was, it wasn't choice, it was circumstance. And I ended up having to leave home when I was 17 and I moved to the UK on my own. And it was only when I got there that I realized that what I was doing was not considered normal. So that was a bit of an eye opener for me. Uh, it wasn't the only eye opener for me when I moved to the UK. It turns out people don't all live in giant houses like in Pride and Prejudice and they don't speak properly. So um, it was a big learning curve that year. <laughs> but it was also precious because I realized then that my family being the way they were had nurtured this connection in me. They never made me feel like it was a strange thing to be doing. And I have then been able to take this into adulthood. Most children uh, are very connected to spirit and most of them start to grow away from that connection between the ages of six and eight years old. So I am grateful to my family for accepting every aspect of who I am and nurturing that and then putting me out into the world to find my way. When it came to finding my way, uh, I, so I've always been academic, pretty smart, and I've always found it fairly effortless, which was uh, lucky for me. But because of the circumstances, so basically when I left school, it was 2006, Zimbabwe was in a horrible state, like inflation was at like in the thousands. It was just unbelievable. If you haven't lived through it, it's really hard to explain it and give it a field of reference. But we got told at the time that they were phasing out the ancestry visas to the UK because of the whole disassociation at the time between the UK government and the Zimbabwean government. So I thought it was going to be my last opportunity to get out of Zimbabwe. So what I did is I crammed an extra subject into my... So I'd done my O-levels already and we were doing our AS levels. And I took an extra subject to try and give me the points that I would need to go to university because in my head I thought that I would be able to get myself into the UK and then put myself through university. I was aiming for veterinary at that point. Um, and I thought, I, I don't know how I thought it was going to work, but I thought I'd be able to make a plan. <laughs> anyway, when I got to the UK, it turns out that university is very expensive and it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to in my head. So I ended up going into shipping accidentally and I did well. So I've always been, I mean, I was only 17 when I got into shipping, but I've always been the youngest person in my team. I've always pushed really, really hard and, and kind of got myself to where I needed to go. And that was mostly, if I'm completely honest, because I had a chip on my shoulder. You know, I thought that I would have to prove myself because I hadn't achieved my academic goals. And I went down this whole kind of rabbit hole of getting into business, working every hour God sent, like slaving away. And it was horrendous in the sense that I didn't have anything outside of that. You know, I had a couple of friends and, and I, I did have like, I would go out, 
but I really didn't have anything. I didn't have any family there, so I didn't have any of that structure and I didn't have anything really more to do than go and earn money and send it back to support my family in Zimbabwe, which I did and which is something I am, I'm privileged to have been able to do. So that was my, I guess, my early years. I ended up working, um, representing all of the prestigious vehicle accounts that were shipping vehicles over well, all over the world, really, from the UK, but it was Jag Land Rover, BMW, um, all of the prestigious accounts, anyway, that was handled by the company that I was working for. And then I got headhunted to run a freight forwarding company, which was amazing, such nice guys. And I, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. So they'd had this company set up and they had the name set up and, and everything else. And But they just didn't have the, they didn't have the capacity to run it themselves. They were already stretched thin with the business that they were running together. And they needed somebody to take this company and do something with it. So they gave it to me. And I was only 23. And my husband had, so I got married at 21 as well, which is completely unexpected. Nobody, including me, thought I was ever going to get married. <laughs> but my husband had just been deployed out to Afghanistan. And um, I took over this this company and I started running it from a home office. And it was amazing. So very privileged to have had that experience. And I stayed with them for three years before we decided that we were going to move to Australia. And at that point, I kind of thought, well, I'm going to have to reassess things because the whole shipping environment with the legislation and everything else is very different over here. So I, I resigned from the company that I was running and we moved over to Australia for a new start. And, you know, long story short, that's how we're here. Now, in all of this time, I wasn't really doing too much with my mediumship. My agreement with Spirit is that if I'm out and about and they ask me to pass the message on for them, I will do that. So I will always ask permission. I am very, very big on ethics and I'll probably talk more about that down the track. But I will always ask somebody's permission before I pass the message on for them. And um, <laughs> it's terrifying, it is, but I know that Spirit know when people need to hear from them and I'm quite happy to be of service. So my agreement with them is that if Spirit come to me, I'll pass the message on. And then if clients come to me and book with me, then that's charged work um, and becomes part of like a business plan that I now have. But back then I wasn't doing much of the charged work. I certainly wasn't looking for it. And I was just happily going along and passing along messages to Spirit. And uh, sorry, from Spirit. <laughs> and anyway... It was kind of like, I didn't want to talk about it too much because I'd realized that it wasn't considered normal in the areas that I was in and I didn't want to be that person. So I sort of kept, it was almost like this little dirty secret of mine. And, you know, I think the people around me, the closest people around me knew about it, but it was just something we didn't really talk about. And then I started to come out of that a little bit with some guidance from a friend that I'd made in the area that I was living in. She's an amazing medium, a Welsh lady. Uh, her name was Kaz or is Kaz. And she basically sat me down and said, what am I doing? You know, this was, this, she told me that this was my, my path and I had a job to do and I could avoid it, but it was always going to be there for me. And her words and her support probably started the trajectory that I am or that I've since been on. And it was something incredible because it was like being seen for the first time and being made to feel like the gift that I had was special and that something about me was special. And I know that sounds so bizarre, but I think just growing up the way I'd grown up, 
you know, I was always the good kid and everyone was always like, oh, you know, she's such a pleasure. She's so grown up. She's so this, she's so that. But I felt so invisible without knowing that I felt invisible. And with Karen saying to me, with Kaz saying to me, hey, look, you have you have a purpose. Like, th- this is what you're supposed to be doing. It kind of opened up my eyes to all of the experiences that I'd had that were leading up to that point and everything started to make sense. So... It was amazing. It was it was like a, a real awakening for me. And then, you know, fast forward a few months and I'd started to do some absent work. I, I call it absent work, but basically I was using a photograph of somebody still alive. So of my clients, essentially, I was using a photograph of them where I could see their eyes clearly and I would connect to their family and spirit using this photograph. And then I would just write down everything that they gave me for that particular person and I would send it over. And I was doing this and then, um, you know, I'd started off just practicing because you doubt yourself. I think, well, we all do in, in any walk of life. When you start something new, you're going to have those doubts. You're not going to think that you're going to smash it out the park and you're not going to know. And especially with this kind of work as well. Spirit give us information in so many different ways. And even though it's something that I've done all my life, you start to second guess yourself. And I'd kind of got to that point. So... I was doing a few readings here and there and learning and getting better and I was getting really good feedback. And, you know, I've always said when it comes to channeling, it's got nothing to do with me as a person. It's just me as an energetic identity fulfilling a role that I am I am contracted to do and honored to do. So it's amazing to get the feedback, but I've always known that it's got nothing to do with me as a person. So this is not an ego-based thing for me at all. And then somebody... Um, obviously the other side of this is that people start to get to know who you are and then you get the incoming from trolls online and everything else. And I remember some lady absolutely attacking me and it was horrendous. I was very young guys. I was only like, I would have been what, 22, 23 years old as I was going through this. And she pretty much called me the devil and was throwing Leviticus at me. And I was raised Christian. I have read the Bible. I know, I know all aspects of it. But I also know that in the New Testament, Jesus died so we can have eternal life. So if you're going to go down the religious road, and I don't particularly resonate with it, but I do respect it. But if you're going to go down the religious road, death doesn't exist anymore. So mediumship as referred to in the Old Testament is not the same. And anyway, (laughs) I digress. But this lady had an absolute go at me. And I remember like kind of walking away from the conversation limping. Like I felt so, so hurt by her comments because all I've ever done or my intention behind this work has only ever been to bring people back to each other and to reconnect them. And for me, that's precious. And it shows that's so big. It's so big. So to be made to feel the way I was made to feel was hard. And especially when you're young and you're sensitive. And then another lady who I don't know, um, who doesn't mean anything to me now or then said something and it got stuck in my head. And she said that proper mediums don't charge for their work. Now, that one statement has been the most damaging, most incorrect, most ignorant statement that I've come across in all of my years. I'm only 34, but up till date, this is the most ignorant, damaging statement I've come across. Not just for me, but for everybody else who's called to do this work. But because she made that comment, I was like, oh, oh, okay, no, I better not charge then. And I was working for free. I was doing all of these absent readings. I was booked up months and months and months in advance. People thought that they could contact me at any time of day or night and demand my time and demand my intention and um, 
always ask questions and hold too tightly to me because when they've established a link, you know, some people when they're grieving, when they've established a link through a medium to somebody that they're missing, it's really hard for them to step away from that. And it's all about finding the right people too. And this was all a massive learning curve for me. But, and I had to go through it and I'm grateful for it. Like, I'm not saying that it was a bad thing to have gone through. It was actually, it was actually a precious experience, but not something that was a pleasant, precious experience, if that makes sense. And on top of that, on top of all of this incoming people I don't know, people holding on to me, people grabbing hold of me emotionally and draining me and depleting me and being so full on, I was still working my day job. I was still busting my little bum and getting up at like, and at that time as well, I was in the middle of the corporate thing. So I was doing all of the high-end vehicle contracts. I was getting up at like half past two, three o'clock in the morning so I could drive an hour down to the docks to be in the office when these vehicles were shipped out so that I could meet the obligations that I had created and the processes that I had written that I had set up to make it as uh, convenient for the companies I was representing at the time. I was working all day there and then coming home at like four o'clock five o'clock, six o'clock, I would get home. I'd be in an absolute heap on the sofa. I was a horrendous person to be married to. I don't know how my husband dealt with me at the time. I shut off from my friends. I took a step away from the actual life that I was living and I was miserable. And then I burnt out. Then with the mediumship stuff, because I had all of this grabbing, 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 and this want, 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 and this incessant incoming I actually burned out and I didn't want to have anything to do with mediumship. I didn't want to have anything to do with connection or spirituality or any of that stuff. So I just stopped. I just tried to switch it off and walk away. Now, that hasn't that wasn't easy. And because I've always done this, I've always been a medium my whole life. I've always been passing these messages on. Turning on and off is not something that I ever learned how to do. So I've never had, I've never found spirit to be encroaching or um, taking advantage of my time or anything like that. They're very respectful. They are there when I need them. They don't, they're not overwhelming. They don't like, it's not like I wake up with a queue of dead people standing by my bed waiting to pass a message on, right? So trying to shut that door and trying to ignore that and walk away from that side of me was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, But I did it because I had nothing left to give. And all of that because of one shitty, ignorant statement from somebody I don't know, who I don't care about, who I've never met and will never meet. And I just thought, wow, that could have changed the entire path that I then went on to take. Luckily, um, once I'd moved to Australia, I started to kind of ease up a bit and I wasn't so protective over it. And I started to represent Spirit again and pass on these messages for them. And it was throughout that journey that people started to back me. Um, My friends that I made over here, and I've got some incredible friends over here, started to talk about me and pass my details on to people and force me, (laughs) not force me, uh, encourage me, strongly encourage me to step up and do what I'm supposed to be doing. And that was, it's, it's again, one of those turning points that I got to. So I did. Uh, I started to see clients. I started to charge for my work. Not often and not much, but I started and just that start was something. And I was still doing the corporate thing at this time. I was working for DHL for a bit and then I went on to, we moved over to uh, New South Wales and I took on this management position. And I got very, very stuck into that corporate space again. So I was the youngest and the only female working 
within this particular niche in that company. And I took over their transport section, their logistics section, and I created new systems and processes and software and um, rolled it out across the country. And I was training teams up and I was really, really busy. I saved them a lot of money, like a lot of money. And I had to fight for the position of national manager. It didn't come easily. I had to keep asking for it. I had to keep going for it. And the reason I needed that is because I needed people to be able to back me and see me as an authority so that they would willingly go into new waters. When you create new software systems and new procedures and new carriers and everything else, and then you you put that in front of people who have been doing their job for a long time and who are good at it, and who maybe don't think that it needs changing, you know, all of that stuff creates a bit of a a pushback. And especially if you don't have, and I know it's silly, but if you don't have a title against what you're doing to back you up. And that was one of those things that I had to push for. And I remember just sitting there going like, what the hell is this all about? Like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? But I got to the national management position and I'd been doing it for a while before I got the label, but I got there and it was really, really empty for me. I thought that I was going to feel so victorious and so like, wow, look what I've done. Like I've saved all of this money. I think it was like, well, yeah, it was a lot of money. I'm not too sure if I can talk about it publicly or not. So I'm going to not. Um, But I saved them a lot of money. I put in all these changes. I'd done all this stuff I was doing. I was, you know, contactable 24 hours a day. I had like a 20 minute turnaround on all communications. I was, I was, yeah, everywhere. (laughs) And it was so empty for me. And I'm very grateful to have had that experience. I'm grateful to have done what I've done, uh, met the people that I've met and worked with the people who I worked with, which was the best part about that job. And I still miss them. They were an incredible team to work with and around. Um, But it was empty for me. So I decided to take a step back and Spirit had been pushing me and they were telling me it was time to take my place. And they were kind of nudging me back along this path. So eventually I did. I moved back to Perth and... I was like, fine, I'm not going to do the corporate thing anymore. I've done it. I, you know, I've done my time. (laughs) I'm going to do the mediumship. And I did take another job, which was doing software in WA. I was managing the WA business, um, doing software. And that was great because I could start, I've always been very autonomous and I've started like at four o'clock in the morning and stuff to match um, the time over East so that because our support team was over there. Uh, And also in logistics, people start notoriously early. So I could kind of plan my day in such a way that I could start to see clients around my working day. And I started to grow my business that way. I thought, well, I've grown business for everybody else for years and years. And my my guides and my, I call them my dead people, (laughs) but they'd been saying to me, nothing that you've gone through is through coincidence. So take everything that you are and create something with that. And I started to run my business as, oh, sorry, my mediumship as a business. And it was hard because there are so many, there are so, there's so much um, small minded stuff around this. You know, like you go back to that comment, proper mediums don't charge for their work. Bollocks to that. Honestly, proper mediums can, should, and must, in fact, charge for their work. Because if we are not being paid to do the work that we're doing, we cannot be available to be of service to spirit. We're going to be giving the best of ourselves to a business and hiding behind a title or a label or an expectation. And we're not going to be doing the things that we're meant to be doing. And this is something I feel in my soul, having having done that journey and having come out on the other side of it and started to run my business the way I'm running it. My mediumship is a business. And it's been absolutely incredible. I 
I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I get every single day. I'm so grateful for the fact that I am autonomous. I don't answer to anyone. I choose who I work with. I choose when I work. Um, there is so much good stuff in my life and it's just incredible. I live a life that I don't need to take a break from. And that is something that I never thought, I never thought I would ever get to. And now on the other side of this, I have started, I'm running this program called the Empowered Path Program. And that's kind of what this podcast is about, actually. The Empowered Path Program is to help other women who are heart-centered, holistic, who are talented, who are called for something else to take their place and to create a business out of it so they can support themselves and their family. I've been supporting my family since I was 15 years old. I have worked two jobs. I've busted my ass. I have, there is nothing I haven't done in terms of making a plan. <laughs> so when I say nothing I haven't done, like let's keep it PG, but I have, I have pushed myself and I have sacrificed things and I've given so much all for other people. And now I'm realizing that the strongest, most abundant version of me is the one that is of most use for everybody else around me. And, you know, thus the empowered path has grown. And this is an incredible opportunity to work with women who know that they're here for something else. They're being held back or held in a position because they don't have faith in their journey. They don't know if they're good enough to do what they want to go and do, or they haven't given themselves permission to even think about something different for themselves. And that's incredible because we stand in our own way and it's not real. And when you open your eyes and you see exactly what that can look like, and I will go into that in our next session, I'm going to do like a before and after to make it very clear what my life looked like before and what it looks like now. And uh, maybe talk about some of the women that I've worked with so far as well and kind of talk about some of their journey. But when you see what abundance truly looks like. And it's not just financial. I mean, finance is important, but it's a very small part of what I'm talking about. Abundance in time, abundance in emotions, and abun abundance in capacity to be, for your to be there for your family, um, not having to sacrifice, not having to martyr yourself, not having to give away the best of you to people who don't appreciate it. All of these things fall under abundance. And that is the key to living a free and happy life. And we're not here to suffer. We're not here to wear pain like some kind of badge of honor. So it's something you can tell, obviously, by the way I'm talking about it, that it's something that is incredibly precious to me. And I'm so excited to be on this path. I'm so excited to be standing alongside these incredible people and helping them take the first steps for themselves. And I'm excited to see what happens with the Empowered Path because I'm right at the beginning of that journey and I'm excited to share that journey with you. So if you're still with me, thank you for hanging in there. Um, I really appreciate your support. I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to my story. And I'm excited to connect with you. So if you have anything that you would like to share with me, um, if any of what I've said resonates with you, if any of you want to come along on the journey, please do feel free. I have so much time for people who are finding their way and who are representing themselves in a positive way. So if that's you, connect. I am available on all socials. I have a Facebook page and a group under Kylie Nicole Spirit Medium. I also have a separate page under the Empowered Path Program, if that's more what you're interested in. And I have Instagram as well. So I look forward to, uh, and TikTok. TikTok is a whole other world. <laughs> my word, I lose hours of my life down there. But I look forward to connecting with you on any and all of those platforms. I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you again for joining me on this first ever podcast and we will catch you next week. Thank you.